Okay, these are four movies. Can anybody name any of them? Okay, so we've got Notting Hill on the, your top left. Then next to Notting Hill is Up. Then bottom left, The Vow. Very good. I thought that might be a tricky one. And then Beaches. So we've got Notting Hill, Up, The Vow, Beaches. Now, there's something that all of these have in common. All of them are movies that I cry in. <laughs> and not just the first time I saw them, but any time I see them. I like to re-watch movies. These are the kind of movies I like to watch. And I cried in them. And when I went and saw Up, I saw it at the movies because Matt likes Pixar movies. So for Father's Day, this sounds really bad, for Father's Day... I took Matt by himself without the kids <laughs> to see Up. Because <laughs> at the point we hadn't shown the kids a movie and we wanted to go see Up and at the, they hadn't been to the cinemas. Um, so we saw Up by ourselves for Matt's Father's Day. Um, and I remember sobbing and thinking, this is ridiculous, it's a cartoon. And right from the very beginning I'm sobbing. But for those of you who know me, it's really not ridiculous because I cry quite regularly and quite often. So much so that um, Matt and I will be watching a movie together and he'll start looking to me and go, <laughs> as if he's pretending to cry. Um, or I'll be reading a book and I'll be crying in a book and he'll walk past and go, oh, good book, Tan. I'm like, yes, it is. But when Matt goes, <laughs> I go, well, at least you know that this is a sad part. doesn't matter that you're not crying you at least can recognise that this part is a part you could be crying at. Now, there are other times that Matt looks at me and goes, really, this is not sad. Like, why on earth are you crying right now? What I want to talk today about is compassion. But the fact is, crying in movies actually isn't compassion. It's just crying in movies or crying in books. And I always know if a movie or book is bad when they want you to cry and I'm not crying because I'm all ready to cry. Like, I'm all there. Like, I am so ready to cry that if you want me to cry and I'm not crying, then it really is not a very good movie. But crying in movies is actually not compassion. You could say that crying in movies is empathy. Because empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. So even Matt, who doesn't cry in movies, because he can recognise when you should be crying, has empathy. So being able to recognise and be able to share and connect with people um, and what they're feeling is empathy. But empathy is actually not mentioned in the Bible. The word is not used. And I think the reason the word is not used is because compassion, which you really need empathy to have compassion, is a much more stronger and actually powerful word. We sometimes can think that these feeling things are for weak people who, you know, are not using logic and not being strong enough, but compassion is actually a really powerful word. Because this is what compassion means. It is the emotion that one feels in response to the suffering of others that motivates a desire to help. So if I see you suffering 
and all I do is go, oh, that's really sad, that's not compassion. If I go, oh, that's really sad, I want to do something to relieve that suffering. That's what compassion's about. So compassion without action is not compassion at all. It's just empathy. And empathy is good. We all want to be empathetic people. But God wants us to actually be compassionate people. He wants our, our um, identifying with the suffering of others to actually lead us to action. Because Jesus had compassion. In Matthew 14, 14, it says this. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. And so what did he do? He healed their sick. He saw their suffering and he did something about it. Matthew 15, 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. So three days these guys have been with him. Jesus sees that they're getting hungry and instead of saying, okay, bye everybody, go find yourself some lunch. I hope you enjoyed the last three days together. His compassion led him to action. His compassion caused him to feed the thousands. But it wasn't just crowds of people that Jesus had compassion on. He actually had compassion on the one. In Mark 1, 40 to 42, it says, A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging, If you are willing, can you heal me and make me clean? And he said, Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. He saw the suffering. He felt the person's pain and he did something about it. And with leprosy, what Jesus did was massive. Because leprosy is one of those diseases that if you have it and someone else touches you, it's that contagious that you could get it yourself. So people who had leprosy, especially in those days, were sent out of the city gates. And they actually had to say to people, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, don't come near me, don't come near me. Because of how contagious the leprosy was. And so to actually come back, and the rest of the story, to actually come back into the town, they had to go to the priest and the priest had to look and say, yeah, okay, you don't have leprosy anymore. Now you can go back to your family. Now you can go and make a living. Like people with leprosy were outcasts. So not only did Jesus heal him, but the way that he healed him showed his compassion and his heart for people because he reached out and touched him. The guy with leprosy would not have been touched from the moment that there were signs of leprosy. And so instead of Jesus saying, be healed, which he could have done, he reached out and touched. He actually interacted with the person and gave them more than just the physical healing that they needed, but actually emotionally connected with him because he was compassionate. I have to use my hands. I've got to put this down to use my hands and then pick it up again. Oh, too far. Luke 7, uh, 7, 11 to 25. This is another story. Soon afterwards, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nani. I don't know if they say it. And a loud crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son and a large crowd from the village was with her. When Jesus saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. 
Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it, and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus wasn't thinking about raising someone from the dead at the time. That wasn't on his agenda. He was just going with his disciples to a village, and there's people, people following him because that's what happened wherever Jesus went. And they saw something. And he went, I really feel for that person and the suffering that they are going through. Instead of saying, I'm really sorry for the suffering you're going through, I'll see you later, he actually did something because that's what compassion does. Compassion always leads to action. So as you can see just from these few stories, Jesus was compassionate. And so as followers of Jesus, we should be compassionate as well. I didn't know how to word this, so I changed it many times. At one point, I said Jesus was compassionate, so that should lead us to be compassionate as well. Or Jesus was compassionate, um, so as a follower of Jesus, I can be compassionate as well. But I think should is the word. Because if we are a follower of Jesus, we should be compassionate. 1 John 2, 5 to 6 says, But those who obey God's word truly shows how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Jesus came to earth so that we could have a relationship with with God. He came to earth so that he could die and come back to life so our sins could be forgiven. But when he came to earth and when he lived on earth, he gave us an example to follow. And his compassion is something that all of us should take on board and be compassionate as Jesus is compassionate. So we should do it. So that's the end of the message. So let's all just go be compassionate. That could be the end of the message because really, what more do we need to know? Jesus says, like Jesus was compassionate. We want to follow him. We want to live like he lives. We need to be compassionate. And I'm not going to end it there because, you know, what stops you from being compassionate, I think, is the next question that comes to mind. So we all know that we should be compassionate. And at times we are. At times we're not. So I'm sure everybody in this room, if I said, are you compassionate? Can you give me an example of when you were compassionate? When you saw some suffering and you did something about it? We could all come up with more than one example of when we did that. So it's not like we don't, we're not compassionate. But Jesus was compassionate so often And I don't think there's anybody here that cannot be more compassionate than what they are. So what stops us from being compassionate? I think sometimes we think there's some people that actually don't deserve compassion. We all know those people that we go to work with and we try and be nice to them and they're never nice to us. We say hello to them and they ignore us. Or we know that person that we have invited over to our place 10 times and they always come and they always eat and they always stay late and we never go to their place and they never leave and you just want to say, can you just stay for an hour and not five hours? And we think, no, there's no one. I, I actually, 
even when I thought of that example, I thought that's still not me. Like I'm happy for people to stay as long as they want to. So there's no drain. I'm not trying to point out anything. But we all know those people that we go all, we say what that person did was so despicable. The fact that they're suffering, they deserve it. The fact that they did that to that person is just beyond me and I just don't get it. So who cares? If any, I don't want anybody to be compassionate like, towards them, let alone me. What does Jesus say? You've heard the law say, love your neighbour and hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. And I think this line is really interesting. He gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is that? Is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind to only your friends, how are you different from anybody else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. God doesn't say, you deserve compassion and you don't. And aren't each one of us grateful that he didn't? Because if he did make those choices, I don't know if any of us would be sitting here being a child of God. So God's compassion is for everyone. And if we want to be his followers, the bar is really, really high. It is really high and we're never going to get to that bar. But that's where we should be aiming for. We should be aiming to be compassionate to everyone, to see suffering and want to do what we can to relieve it, no matter who they are. And I know that that is not easy. But that is what Jesus says, and that's what we should be aiming to do. For some people, it's their own fault that they're in that situation. They made the choice, they should live with their consequences. So why should I relieve their suffering? I could, but why should I help them out? Because it's their fault, they need to just get over it, do it themselves, pick up the pieces, and I'll just sit back and say, I told you so. I told them if they did that, so no compassion for me because their own choices brought them to that place. We all know the story of the woman caught in adultery. So in this story, it's pretty clear that she did something that she shouldn't have done. There's no question about whether or not she was sleeping with the other guy or not. That's not part of the story. But what is Jesus' response? Jesus says this. So when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, till there was only Jesus left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said, where are your accusers? Don't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. Then Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Even those who are in the situation and suffering because of their own choices that they may have known or not known that they shouldn't be doing, compassion is what Jesus shows. He doesn't give compassion and say, oh, it doesn't really matter. Who cares if you didn't do what you're meant to be doing? He says, I do not condemn you. 
Now go and sin no more. We, Jesus is our example. And if Jesus is our example, we need to show compassion for those even when it's by their own choice that they are suffering. I'm more focused on sharing the gospel than meeting physical needs. Some people think, you know what? That person over there, they're all about meeting physical needs and doing social justice and all that kind of stuff, but I'm for the gospel. And so I just need to tell them about Jesus. And if I tell them about Jesus and they become saved, then that is a job well done. Hallelujah, there's someone going to heaven. And that is great. I'm not saying that we shouldn't focus on the gospel. What I'm saying, well, let me tell you the verse and then I'll tell you what the verse says, not what I'm saying. So Jesus, we read this before, Jesus went all through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. The second half of this verse, we often use to say, we, you know, there's people there who need to hear about Jesus and we need to go out and ask God to send people for the harvest that is there. But just the thing, the, these verses came out of Jesus saying, these people are suffering. They don't know what they're doing. They're like a sheep without a shepherd. You guys... There's so many people here who are suffering. You guys need to go out. We need to pray. We need to get people to go out to those who are suffering. The gospel, the good news of the kingdom and healing the sick, Jesus never separated them. He always put them together. So us having compassion and relieving physical needs, as well as proclaiming the good news of Jesus and the fact that your sins can be forgiven and you can have a relationship with Jesus, is not a one over this side and one over that side. They both go together. If you just meet physical needs and do not share Jesus' love with them, they might be having a non-suffering life now, but their life is going to suffer when they die. If we share with them the good news of Jesus and how they can know God and how they can have a relationship with him, but we don't relieve their needs and their suffering now, how is that God's kingdom coming here on earth as it is in heaven? It's not. The two need to go together and should never be separated. So some people might say, you know, I have my own issues and situations to deal with. So yes, I can see that, you know, that person's suffering over there, but I really can't have compassion on them because I need someone to have compassion on me. I'm going through a really tough time now and I need some compassion so I can't, I can't do that. Or it could even be I see someone showing compassion to them and I'm going, what about me? Why can't you show compassion to me? I'm going through a really tough time. I need compassion. This is what happened with Jesus. I read this earlier, that when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So what happened that, went, that made Jesus want to go off by himself, spend some time alone? 
Well, just before these verses, this is what happens. He, being John, being John the Baptist, head was brought onto a platter and given to the girl who was carrying it to her mother. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. Jesus has just found out that one of his really, really, really good mates, family, has not only died but been beheaded. So this isn't just someone I know has died, which is painful enough. This is someone I know has been killed and had their head chopped off. So it makes sense that Jesus goes, I need some time to myself. So that's what he does. He takes time for himself. He hears what happens and he goes on a boat privately to a quiet place. The only thing is, while he's heading there, the crowds of people here and follow. So Jesus' solitary place is no longer a solitary place, but a crowded place. But when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So in the midst of his devastation, in the midst of his grief, in the midst of I just need some time alone, he still, when he saw a need, had compassion and acted. That blows me away. And what a great example for us. When we are going through a really tough time and just need some private time, go and take it. That's what Jesus did. But while you're taking that time, if you see suffering, don't go, oh, sorry, I don't have, I'm not, I'm not in the mood for compassion at the moment. I can't do compassion now. Come back in a week's time and I might be able to. Because Jesus had compassion whenever he saw the need and he acted upon it. <clears throat> and if we want to be a follower of Jesus, as hard as it is, we need to do the same. <clears throat> it's all too big and there's so much suffering, I can't make a difference. What's the point? Or I don't know what to do, so I don't do anything. I might see the suffering, I might see that someone is in need of something, but it's beyond me. So it's so much easier just to stop thinking about it and move on because that is easier than trying to do something that is too big for me to handle. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working on you, in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. We have the Holy Spirit within us. And the Holy Spirit not only should give, will give us the desire for compassion, but he actually will give us the power to do what pleases him. James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So instead of saying the problem's too big, <clears throat> I don't know what to do, I can't handle it, Compassion says, I don't know what to do, but I want to do something. God, give me the wisdom and show me what I can do. So Jesus was compassionate. And as followers of Jesus, 
not we only should be compassionate, but we must be compassionate if we're following Jesus because that's the way he lived his life. Matthew sixteen twenty six says this. <clears throat> then Jesus says to his disciples, I'm just going to cough, hang on. <clears throat> if any of you want to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. Verse that we all know really well. But sometimes that's what compassion requires of us. To do something that isn't easy. To do something that actually puts it out. In our family, we have a saying that we talk to our kids a lot about and we say, we are a family that thinks about others. And so often when we're talking about things, we say to the kids, are you thinking about others? Or we'll say, oh, I'll say to the kids, oh, daddy's doing that because he's thinking about others. That's our version of Matthew 16, 24. Deny yourself, take up, oh, thanks, John. Take up a cross and follow him. Um, and it's really interesting because sometimes it backfires on us. So sometimes the kids will say to us, are you thinking about others, mum? And I have to stop and go, um, no, but I should be. Well done for pointing that out. <laughs> and when we talk about that, the kids often say, when we, you know, sometimes when we talk about thinking about others, the kids will say, well, but mum... If I think about others, who will think about me? And sometimes that can be the case. We go, okay, I'm going to be compassionate because Jesus wants to be compassionate. But if I'm, so, if I'm so busy being compassionate, what about me? How does that work for me? And what we tell our kids is, you don't need to really worry about that. We need to do what God's called us to do. And if we look around this room and think about it, okay, if I become more compassionate towards you and you become more compassionate towards everybody else, then that will happen, like you'll be, compassion will come to you. Not that that's the motivation for being compassionate, but it should work that way. This is what 1 John 3, 16 to 17 says. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother and sister in lead but show no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. People will say that words are cheap. I don't know if that's true. I think words are really powerful. But if our words aren't backed up with action, then this says... Mm. Only doing half the job. And this verse I find really interesting too because it says, okay, if you, let's just say if you, if you have enough money to live well and you see a brother in need, do something about it. It's really about being observant. It's not about, it doesn't even say go chase and find someone. It says when you see it. Feel, if you see suffering and can do something about it, do it. Do what you can do. This is the verse in Micah that you'll find not... Oh, yes, all the way up there. 
What has the Lord showed you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. If we live that out, all the other things that you read in the Bible pretty much can line up to those three things. To act justly. When we see things that are unjust, to do something about it. For ourselves to be people that live and act in a way that's just. To, show, to love mercy and actually to show mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And James 1.27 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. The world is really good at telling you it's all about you. If you don't look after number one, who else is? But the Bible actually says it's not about you. It's about God. It's about his kingdom. And because it's about God and about his kingdom, it's much more about them than it is about you. And if we get that, all the other things that Jesus says lines up with that idea. Another movie that I cry in a lot is Schindler's List. If you watch Schindler's List, um, if you're not a crier, you will still be moved dramatically. The fact that it's based on a true story makes it even more powerful. Um, for those who don't know, Schindler's List is about um, Second World War and the, um, and the Holocaust that happened and there's this guy called Schindler and he owned a factory. And what he ended up doing, he was part of the Nazi fam he was part of the Nazi um, group, government, party, that's the word, the Nazi party. Um, but when he, um, in his factory, what he ended up doing during the time that um, Hitler and the Nazis were taking Jews is he would say, I need them for my factory. And so he made a list of all the people that he needed to work in his factory. And he ended up saving more than a thousand um, Jewish people by having them work in his factory. And because of that, he said to the Nazis, oh, you can't take them because I need them. I, I have to make bullets for you to kill the other Jews, so I need these Jews so you can... It's more complicated than that, but I'm trying to get to the point. Um, and what I want to do is just show you a really small clip um, it comes at the very end of the movie. Cool. So there we see Schindler going through at the end of, near the end of the war, going through his things and saying, I could have done more. I could have sold my car and paid for 10 more people I could have saved. Could have saved one more. I could have saved one more. Because what compassion does, when we are compassionate, it leads us to be compassionate again. Because we see that it's not about the crowd, it's about the one. It's about the one person that you can have compassion on today. It's not about the big crowds of people that need our compassion. It's about the one. And Jesus thought so too. In Matthew 25, 40, it says, And the king will say, I tell you the truth, whatever... What you did to one of the one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Whenever we show compassion to one, it's as if we're showing compassion to Jesus. Matthew ten says, What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. 
So do not be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Often we read those verses and we go, I am so, so glad that I'm precious to God. That every hair on my head has been numbered. How amazing is it the way that God loves us? But if you think about it, this also tells us how amazing is the love that God has for that one. For the person that you find the hardest to have compassion on, God says, I know every hair on their head and they are precious to me. And if they're precious to God, for that sake alone, they should be precious to us. Not because they deserve it, because we don't, but because they are precious to God and he cares about one, we should care about one. Because God is compassionate, we need to be compassionate today and tomorrow and the next day. We can get overwhelmed sometimes when we read the news or we read statistics and we think of the crowds of people that are suffering. But even when it came to the crowds, God did what he could do. And that's what he asked us to do. Do what you can do. Instead of turning away and saying, I can't do it, it's not going to make a difference. Well, what can you do? Ask for wisdom and do what you can do. And for the ones that your neighbour, the person sitting next to you, your family member, those who you know are lonely, invite them over. Have compassion. Those who no one really connects with, you make the effort to connect with. That those who you know are struggling, think and pray about a way that you can actually relieve some of that struggle. And when you pray and nothing comes to mind, fine. But if you pray and something comes to mind, do it. Because that's what Jesus did. He saw suffering. And if, you go, if you're sitting here thinking, well, okay, I can do that, but I don't actually see. Like, I, I'm just oblivious to it. I just have, I'm just so focused on what I'm doing in the life that I'm living that someone could be dying next to me and I would not really even notice it. Pray and ask God to show you. Pray and ask God to open your eyes to have his eyes. There's an old Amy Grant song that I really like called Father's Eyes. Um, and it said, I want my father's eyes, eyes to see the good in things when good cannot be found. Eyes to see the, can't remember the next line, when help cannot be found. Um, ask God to give you his eyes and you'll be amazed at the opportunities that you just didn't even know were there. And sometimes in really simple ways. I know in my own life, sometimes I will do something and someone will be so overwhelmed by what I did. And I'm like, that was nothing. I'm glad it meant something to you. But really, sometimes it's not a big deal for us. But we're relieving the situation that that person finds them in. Think about these verses. It says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of God, this is when the, Jesus is sending the disciples out. It says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Think about how much God has done for you. That alone should motivate us to freely give to others. Or this one, this is the person who um, 
the woman who pours oil on Jesus' Jesus's feet and it says, I tell you, her sins that are many have been forgiven. So she shows me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. We find it hard to show compassion. Maybe we need God to reveal how he has been compassionate to us. Because when you know how much you've been forgiven, it's so much easier to forgive others. When you know how much you are loved, it is so much easier to love others. When you know how much compassion has been shown to you, it's so much easier to show compassion to others. So we're just going to play a song um, while we do this. And you don't need to, like the song is just a background thing to listen to if you want to, but come as you feel led and just spend some time between you and your father and ask him to give him your eyes. Ask him to give you a heart that's compassionate. Ask him to show you how you can see suffering and do something about it. <laughs> 